0: You are listening to the Mary Jane Society Podcast, brought to you by Studio 420, a cannabis-friendly marketing agency.
1: I'm your host, Pam Schmiel, Marketing Director for Studio 420. Today we talked to Terry Buffalo from Buffalo Cannabis Consulting to discuss the serious issue of debt financing and how it may cause widespread consolidation in the industry if the SAFE Banking Act doesn't pass to provide refinancing solutions. Terry has over seven years of hands-on experience in the cannabis industry and a long career in the financial industry as a former Wall Street junk bond trader. Terry believes that cannabis companies can utilize corporate bonds as a way to avoid industry consolidation and to manage funding and debt issues creatively. Let's meet Terry Buffalo. Good morning, Pam. Oh, hey, Terry.
0: How are you doing today?
1: I'm good. I'm good. I I already, uh, I've done my walk over the Brooklyn Bridge. Oh, goodness. Yeah, I, that's kind of my daily routine. yeah it gets me going gets my brain cells working and right anyway so we'll just get right into it so um I I recently read or heard that there was very little investment into uh cannabis companies that these companies were only able to get debt financing or uh, as I like to call it loans um maybe Mm -hmm. we could just start out with why were companies having the problem when it seems like there's so much money it's they're like cash cows there's so much money coming into the business uh everybody's talking about thousands and thousands of dollars of revenue each month why are they not able to get investment yes
0: over the last year most of the funding has definitely been in the form of debt of some sort and most of this debt is coming from private lenders uh if we look back in 2021 there was around 1.65 billion uh, in debt in the cannabis sector. And in 2022, there was over $5.5 you know, billion. Dollars. So you can see uh, where most of the money is going. The reason for that is a couple of reasons. One, the evaluation on these companies have dropped tremendously. And it, and the, it comes down to the cost of funds. Can I get a, a debt or a bond and I'm paying 12 14% interest cheaper than them issuing, uh, let's say, equity and some of the other options that are available to them? So it really comes down to the cost of funds. Also, a lot of the debt in general is used to maintain control. You know, you're not diluting your shareholders when you use debt versus you issue more equity. And Then some of the drivers may be regulatory also, because please understand a lot of these markets, if you have a 5 or 10% ownership or equity stake in an operation, you have to go through disclosure with the regulatory bodies also. And that could be an issue. I think you have anything to hide, but the investor would have to go through that uh, additional burden or headache to be able to invest over that threshold and that would be out there. But now going forward, what is happening is that, you know, it's called maturity day. It's the doomsday coming for a lot of these companies and there's not bankruptcy available to them. So what is happening is we all know interest rates are rising. Inflation is rising. And then, like I mentioned earlier, the evaluation of these companies have dropped tremendously and so it's going to be very difficult to get their their debt refinanced. So, what are they going to do? Since bankruptcy is not a solution for a cannabis company, plant touching company, they're going to have to go through reorgs or just basically call a receivership. Is really going to be the only option to them if they're not able to refinance their debt.
1: Everybody keeps thinking that the Safe Banking Act is going to save, you know, save save the industry. Um, so do you think that the, the, safe banking act could be the solution to, uh, getting more like uh, institutional money into the system or how do you see the safe banking Act Well, helping you, you mentioned back industry. on
0: the debt; if they're not able to refine, you know, basically, you know, when you have bonds, though, there's usually some type of security, a first lien, there's assets. So they could basically, again, force the company completely out of business or just take the business over. But, you know, the one thing you don't want is a bondholder taking over a cannabis, cannabis grow business that knows nothing about growing cannabis. So there's going to be some challenges in general, but go to the Safe Banking Act. Safe Banking Act is not the solution for everything by no means. It would definitely help the industry tremendously. But think about this, though, Pam. What if about these uh, operators that are not able to get bank funding because they don't have their financials in shape or whatever? It could be more challenging for them. But with the Safe Bank Act or some type of bank reform put in place, what we could see then is, is uh, brokerage firms coming out and underwriting bonds now that actually could trade on the OTC, over-the-counter market, which would bring in so much additional capital from income investors, from mutual funds, from ETFs. Uh, from institutional funds uh, investing into the cannabis space with these bonds, and more importantly, it provides liquidity because all the bonds issued so far are issued on under 144 from you know their private deals. You really don't have much liquidity. There is there is a, a system out there called you know a private market solution where some of the 144s trade on, but you and I don't have access to that. That's strictly you know institutional investors only. Basically, can see this through brokerage firms. So how it would be so advantageous uh, for these companies with SAFE Act going through or some kind of bank reform, the brokerage firms now are stepping in and doing traditional underwriting on corporate bonds for these entities. So with a brokerage firm coming into the space with, again, some kind of SAFE Banking Act or bank reform, allowing them to get into the space, so we're past that. Brokerage firms then could underwrite bonds like they do now for any other companies, General Electric, Ford, et cetera. And so this gives the cannabis companies a lot better uh, cost, of, a lot lower cost of funds, let's say that what they're currently having to pay. Now, the types of bonds that are available that a brokerage firm could underwrite would be like a term loan. So let's say it's $100 million, 10% interest, five-year maturity. Now, they could put calls in theirs, they could put puts, which means they could call the bond away or the, or the holder could put the bond back on the company. These are just some of the nuances. You also have what's called a, and that's a fixed rate. You also have what's called a float or adjustable rate coupon. And it's based off of either Prime or LIBOR or some number out there. So the interest rate fluctuates in a sense. So again, as interest rates rises, so does that the interest rate to the company rises also What they have to pay. One of this, uh, and then you have convertible bonds. Now, the convertible bonds, that these brokerage funds should be issued uh, I would hope it would be nothing like what we see in the private market, all these toxic convertible debt, so it would be more of a real convertible bond. And convertible bonds are a positive for a company to issue because it lowers their cost, meaning their coupon cost is lower because you're given that there's an option for that investor to convert from additional upside. But something I haven't seen in general, Bill Pound, and when I worked on Wall Street as a junk bond trader, I saw this a lot in, in my securities experience, it's called a step-up bond. And how it basically works, let's go back to that $100 million and say it's five years and it starts with a 10% coupon. The second year, let's say it goes to a 12% coupon. The third year, let's say it goes to a 14% coupon. The next year, it goes to a 16% coupon. You're thinking, wow, this is getting expensive. Well, let's think about this. As the bond issuer...
1: I just want to clarify, is it that is that the interest rate that you're talking about on the bond? Okay, so the interest rate that... The company who is who is issuing the bond would have to pay out to the investors. Yes,
0: But see. The other side of that is you as an investor, the longer your money is invested, you're increasing your return. So it's kind of a win for both sides. Uh, But I've yet to see that structure uh, being used in the cannabis space. And I think it's something that uh, the issuers and the investors should think about going forward.
1: Right. So so basically a cannabis company can utilize corporate bonds to achieve financial stability. That's basically what well, you're saying. Well, not
0: currently. That is if we have the SAFE Act or some kind of bank reform that gets passed. That's why you asked me, can, it can't come quick enough earlier. No, the SAFE Bank or Bank Reform, But you also said is the answer to all. No, it's not because not everyone would qualify in general, but yes, it would lower the cost of funds to these operators. You know. One thing about in general, think about these operators, they're, 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 you know, interest rates are up, inflation, the prices are down tremendously, the valuations are down. But also think about this, these companies that take on this debt, this $5.6 billion, whatever last year, they're not able to write the interest off either. Where in a normal business, you can write off your interest from your loans or debt. And so think about that now, the SAFE Act, or if it gets rescheduled. Now they can ah uh, uh, deduct their interest. This is going to be how much more advantageous to these operators. They just lower their cost of funds because they've got different type of debt, and they're able to write that interest off. So that's going to start changing the landscape for these operators. But until then, it's a battle. They're going to have to really uh, tighten the screws on their on their expenditures, their budgets, uh, and watch every dime and conserve and be very conservative with their balance sheet. you, you know, uh, and to, but to get this financing, they are going to have to have financial hygiene. And I know you and I have spoken about this in the past. You've got to have your books in order to be able to uh, get financing or run your business, but also to be able to get financing.
1: What do you think is, or what is the big um, problem caving a lot of these companies are putting the pressure on these companies is is it the tax issues and the regulations is that really the bottom line of what's squeezing mm-hmm. these companies because all you hear about is thousands and thousands of dollars in revenue every month in these dispensaries i mean we know what's happening to the cultivation companies mm-hmm. you know the right. you know pricing and all that but like what about all these other companies what is it, what's the crux of the problem there yes
0: of course taxes is definitely a big issue across the board to e but also it's just a, a lack of uh, control with a lot of the operators I mean I'm looking today you have companies coming out and they have they grew their revenue 34 percent they're doing 300 million dollars in revenue but they lose 115 million dollars then I look at the next one. You know, the, the increase of in revenues, et cetera, et cetera. They're doing 123, a gross profit of 123 million. But then, at the end of the day, they lose $89 dollars. I mean, this is the. It's just it, because they spent so much money on these infrastructures, and now we're seeing such price suppression in these uh, mature markets. I mean, look at Colorado, look at Oregon, Washington. All these markets have been online. Michigan now has taken a big hit. The state of Manus has taken a big hit in wholesale price. When you're getting five and $6,000 a pound, now you're getting 1000 or maybe even less in some of these other markets. You've got this type of operational expense and capital expenditures you put in a growth facility. It's going to be a challenge, big challenge. And that's why the safe right. or some so- kind of bank reform would help them. Again, they can refile a lot of their 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 cost of money, and it will be able to write off the interest and a lot of their other expenses that they currently are not able to write off.
1: So a lot of this, I guess, that makes sense too. Is a lot of this right now is because a lot of these companies companies are new and they're trying to uh, uh, recapture their their build out um, build out right. money. I guess, but That's you have to amortize it over years, doing. you know.
0: But it's just. How, can they make it back before federal regulation changes then that creates a whole other challenge because of all the competition coming being able to go across state lines and also bringing in from uh, out of the country i mean that's the next that's the next right. problem cultivators are going to be dealing with
1: <laughs> right right i know that's yes. a big problem so um so who would qualify who would be what kind of company would be a good candidate or not a good candidate i mean you've already said it's you know companies who need to refinance their loans um and it's just a way to infuse money into the company and into the whole cannabis economy um so yeah who would be a good candidate or who's not a good candidate for for this type of
0: well debts uh, bonds that i'm talking about are loans you like to refer to them that uh, a brokerage firm would issue being that you know a SAFE Act or something, some kind of bank reform has come in. These securities will be registered through the SEC. You know, there's the steps to do that in general, uh inexpensive as to say, but you don't have to be a public company to issue debt. And so that's one nice thing about it. You could be a very large operator, MSO in multiple states, but you're not a public company, you would still not have access to the 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 bonds uh, underwriting from brokerage companies even though you're not public. So let's just keep that in mind. So it'd be for public companies and non-public companies, but then it comes down to their finances. You know, do they have the assets? They have real estate, they have equipment, they have IP. What do they have that they're securing this with? It goes back to lending in general, you know, and they're not going to be five and $10 million deals because the cost of underwriting. So it would probably be for companies, and I'm just kind of spitballing here, $100 million or larger that's needing funding. Now, if a company could get that type of funding because they have the finances in order, think about back in the old days when the leverage buyouts was a big deal. Uh, you know, now this could be an opportunity now for companies with the, how we're, we're definitely going to consolidate, as we all know, could use bonds, leverage buyout type structuring versus equity to make some of these acquisitions. Again, if they had funding that was available through bond or debt offerings through brokerage firms. Because again, now you got mutual funds, ETLs, institutional money that can invest in it, not just uh, some of your know, friends and families right now are doing most of the funding, we'll see. Oh. Right. Versus the equity, because again, if we, we, if we buy a company, we're going to have to issue more equity one way or the other to bring that analyst. we just buying cash for all the stock in general, most don't have that money. But you could issue a bond. I mean, you issue that bond to have the funding to either buy the stock or just buy them out and be done with. Again, if they're not a public company, even though non-public companies, of course, have stock. It's just a matter of you may not want to buy the the contingency liability from the company. You're going to do an asset asset, uh, acquisition. But the point is, that's where the funding could come from. And that used to be back in the days you know, RJ Nabisco, some of the big name companies would leverage buyout companies back uh, in the early nineties and eighties, 80s, late eighties, 80s, early nineties.
1: Okay. By using bonds. And then I'm sorry, did you, you were talking about a uh, step-up step up bond? step-up bond is
0: again, something I have never seen in the cannabis space. Now I see what's called a discount bond, not to vary off, I'll come back to step-up, but one thing I see, Pam, is what's called a discount. And let's say, hey, Pam, you disqualify qualify for a hundred thousand dollars. 10% interest rate for one year. You think you're you you, you you're happy as you can be. You look at the term sheet and it says a 20% discount. And maybe you don't know what that means. Well, what that actually means to you is that your 10% interest rate you thought you were paying for your money now is costing you 37 and a half because you're not going to get $100,000 principal. You're going to get 80,000, hence the 20% discount, but you're going to pay interest on 100,000. And you're also going to pay back 100,000. So when you do the math, now that costs you 37.5%, not 10% on your money. And that's what I'm seeing. And that's what most of the uh, cannabis funding is, is available to them. Now, you know, it's a big thing when you're 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 out there and you're, you're financing opportunity or financing for a need, you kind of got an issue. But back to your step up. The step up bond is this. Let's say, again, it's a five-year maturity. It's a, a 10% initial coupon interest rate. And let's say it's $100 million, all right? So the first year, you're going to pay 10% on that $100 million. Now, if you don't refinance it or pay the, the bond off as the issuer, the bond, let's say, steps up to 12% interest rate, coupon. So now you just did cost your cost of money to your company because you now paying two percentage points more on, the, on $100 million. Now, let's say the third year you're not able to refi or whatever, goes up to 14%. So see how it continues stepping. Now, the advantage to the company is this. The company has the opportunity to pay the bond off before it steps up if they can get refinanced. Uh, That's what a call features are called in general. Well, the advantage to the investor, they are investing at 10%. They don't get their money back in one year. Guess what? They're getting two additional percentage points on their money. The third year, additional two. And I'm just making up the 2%. It could be four, three, one, But the concept is that investors being paid more the longer his their money is at, 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 uh, invested into the entity.
1: Mm, okay.
0: So okay. it's kind of a win for both sides. I mean, is the way I look at it. it, you know, I could get money at 10% right now if I get finance. If not, it's going to 12. Me as the investor, okay, I'm okay at 10. And if I don't get paid off, I'm going to 12 now. I'm going to 14 yeah. or whatever. So it's called a step-up bond. And I think those are something that uh, I think has a place in the cannabis market.
1: Um, Do you think in the cannabis industry, um, you're you're going to have to have higher interest rates to
0: entice Yes, they're enticed. I mean, where would you invest? Where do you feel comfortable? Everything's a risk reward. But absolutely. uh, You know, and then you have rating services out there. There's You've heard of Moody's, S&P, that actually rate companies bonds. And a lot of mutual funds or ETFs or whatever, or investment funds, they can't invest below, say, a triple B rated, which is considered high yield junk, double B, single B, triple C. That's quote junk high yield. But triple B, single A, double a triple a is considered investment grade. now investment grade pound is going to have a lot less uh, cost of money and what they always refer to is what's called the spread and so let's say it's a five-year bond and it's paying a hundred basis points over that's the spread but that's over the five-year treasury bond because that's considered the safest place you can put your money right so that's why everything in the bond market is based off of uh, the two year, the five year, 10 year, depending on the maturity of the actual bond. But again, if the credit is solid, they could be a double B or single A rated cannabis company. Now, currently, right now, I don't think none of them would qualify for that, period. But the point is, as things change, you know, because you have companies that are below investment grade that get upgraded, you have companies that are investment grade because there's a hiccup along the way, they get downgraded. Doesn't mean they default on their bonds. The, the bonds may get cheaper in, in a sense in the, in the in the secondary market, but they didn't default on it because they got downgraded or, of course, upgraded. They didn't default.
1: <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, it's not a great story for the cannabis company to be downgraded or to be teetering right. on a junk bond, but. But, um or no
0: company for that good I mean, yeah, or know. no company right
1: <laughs> but and it's I guess that's not a good scenario for the investor but 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 at least then the cannabis company doesn't have to pay out those high interest rates but yeah who right. wants to junk bond so oh I see so the junk bond level is almost that's the riskiest level probably before default. Is that well,
0: for they're, they're riskier all means that investment great, But, you know, also understand when it comes to bonds, it's different than equity bonds. It all depends on cash flow and coverages, meaning your EBITDA coverages, how much money is coming in for every dollars going out, you know, since, you know, how many dollars in versus dollars going out. But you remember, you have to somehow either refi that debt at maturity or you have to amortize. So let's say, again, that hundred million dollar and, it, and it's a um, you know five-year maturity, that's basically $20 million a year you're going to have to set aside to be able to refund that bond. Now, not to convolute anything, though, this is obligations that you have as a company. So we, we get through our underwriting and we're going to say, again, it has a sinking fund. And let's stay with this $100 million. So what a sinking fund means is this, that the company itself, as opposed to waiting to year five or close to year five, to either start trying to get the money refinanced how are they going to come up with this $100 million to pay their investors back? It's called a sinking fund. And what that requires them to do is, let's say, set aside $20 million the first year, $20 million the second year. They can't touch it. It doesn't matter about their PL or nothing. This is their obligation they, the, to amortize their debt. So now, after the second year, we have $40 million in an escrow account, the third year, $60, $80. And then year five, guess what? We have the $100 million to be able to pay our investors back. I'm saying if a bond has a sinking fund, that at least gives the investor a little bit more assurance or comfort that uh, that they're going to pay the money back, especially if if the bond has already been out for a year or two. Let's say it's a five-year bond and it's been out for two years and someone wants to sell it. Being that it's traded over the counter, someone could buy that bond and knowing that they already had money set into a sinking fund gives them a much better comfort level that they're going to get the money back say.
1: Yes, yes. I'm sorry. That's exactly. Yeah, that's what I. Right. That's what I was right. uh, thinking. Is um, it's 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 insurance or security, right? That makes complete right, sense. Right, so, right. so basically, the sinking fund is an escrow account.
0: Yes, it goes into an escrow account.
1: That's what it is. It's that. Yeah, account. because you,
0: they can't then go and go. Oh, I need to get them. You know, hundred thousand or you know, two hundred thousand dollars out and go pay for this bill. I mean, you can't and that, that
1: makes. That makes sense. That makes I block, mean, right. So so that's just part of the deal of setting up a bond is having this sinking sink fund. And
0: not all of them have it, though, Pam. I'm just saying these are all types of nuances. They just know that in five years, 100 million is due. But and then I got to pay the interest along the way. But I'm just saying these are some of the things that we could give once the, again, a bank safe bank act or something goes through where the brokerage firms are underwriting bonds. These are just some of the nuances and terms that you can put in the underwriting. Uh, you know, again, stuff of the floating, in? the convertible, you know, sinking funds, call features, put features. These are things that we could uh, uh, underwrite on, in the end of bonds.
1: So that's that's some. See, to me, that just seems like why wouldn't you put that in? Why isn't that just naturally in there? But those are the kind of things that you could help right. with the, the underwriting right. to say, don't forget this, don't forget mm-hmm. that. You need that to protect mm-hmm. you and to make it more mm-hmm. appealing. Those are the kind of things that. Right. You
0: would do exactly. That- right. So, I mean, these are different types of things. Because if you have a sinking fund, you can lower your cost of funds. Uh, if you don't, you know, the investors maybe you know probably going to want higher coupon, higher return on their money. So that's just some of the pluses. But again, not all companies would be able to set aside. Again, using an example, twenty million dollars a year. Especially as all these companies are growing. It's one thing if you've been out and you've got a you know your business is just cash flowing. You're just kind of, you know what I mean. But that's a different story than most of the cannabis industry or companies. <laughs>
1: Like, is there an example that you could give us about how much somebody could um, increase this extra money uh, by doing well, bonds? larger
0: entities that it was, you know, say $100 million and, and, and up. You know, those are the ones that would be the, uh, probably the most advantageous for them. And we gave them cheaper funds than currently because the funds right now are coming from very, uh, you know, private funds, family offices, and they're getting a very high coupon or high return. If they were able to issue bonds that would trade in the open market, meaning OTC, where there's they could trade them, then you have individuals, let's say like yourself, you know, you maybe you invest in a CD or you invest in tax-free municipal bonds. You can invest in this cannabis company bond and earn X coupon. Uh, it works like all other bonds. So we bring in the mom-and-pop investors, as I like to say. You have mutual funds that invest in high-yield bonds, investment-grade bonds, Etc. They would potentially invest in that bond. You have ETFs, which work a lot like a mutual fund, but they would invest in these bonds. This is a capital that would come in. So let's say this mutual fund took $10 million of the $100 million offering. Let's say this ETF took $20 million. So 30 of the 100 million is put away just to the mutual fund and, and to an ETF. You know, then let's say you have some pension, uh, you know, accounts or whatever takes down 40 or 50 million. And then maybe, you know, individuals uh, take the other five or 10 million that's left over. And that's how the bond would get issued out uh, going through the underwriting. Then it's sold into the, uh, uh, you know, into the market, we'll call it. So that just brings so many other people that would invest in it because right now they may not invest in stock. I mean, think about retirees who invest for income. They're not out here chasing, you know, stock and trying to play, you know, the stock market. They want steady income, so they buy either dividend-paying stocks, they pay debt or bonds or loans, however really you like to refer to them, you know, either taxable or tax-free municipal bonds, as you always heard, you know, the retirees and their tax-free muni bonds. So you see what I'm saying? That that whole market that billions of dollars now. There'd be some that would probably reach over and, and get a little exposure to the cannabis just for the additional returns in their portfolio.
1: Okay, wow. Hmm.
0: It's about diversification. You know, you wouldn't want to put, you know, all your money in the cannabis by no means or anything as for as that goes. But the point is, you know, it's a matter of, again, the diversification and enhancing the returns a bit for their portfolio. And then, you know, they may, so they can talk about it at the country club. Yeah, I'm invested in this cannabis bond. You know like that used to be a year or two ago investing in cannabis stocks used to be a hot topic now right. not not so much it's psychedelics yeah. but either way cannabis is not so much
1: <laughs> yeah yeah cannabis is not well that was going to be the other question then um you know bonds are known for being risky what advice would you give a company seeking bonds as alternative financing right. or you don't want to have a bond and you default what happens then
0: when you miss the coupon payment you basically have a 30-day period before you're technically in default once you're past that 30-day period you're technically in default and then you look to reorg uh the bondholders basically then depending on the collateral that's securitizing that bond may own your company now everyone thinks the equity guys the stock equity holders own the company they do maybe the bondholders are the ones that own the company because they're doing a reorg, which, again, bankruptcy is not available now. But in typical business, a reorg, the bondholders don't get paid before the equity holders. If there's anything left over, then the equity guys and individuals, whatever, would get their percentage based on the number of shares. But not all bonds are bad, though, Pam. That's one thing about it. It's very misleading. Uh, bonds are very safe. You always, so again, have to look at the company. You have to look at the, the, the ratings if they're rated. So, I mean, think about the U.S. Treasury bond. Safest thing you put your money in. You, there's no defaults. You know, you look at AAA bonds, you know, A bonds, single A bonds. Now, they can go into default. Don't get me wrong. But you don't have this mass default that some people may think it's out there. In the junk, quote, high yield market, yes, you do have higher percentage of defaults. But overall you don't have as many as people may may think you, you know you you only hear one story bad and that's all you remember you don't hear about the other 99 home runs but that one time I struck out that's all you remember okay that yeah. one time I struck out not the 99 times I'd talk a home run you, you know what I'm saying but so just but it's always about the investment though you got to look at the company who's issuing the bond? Just like when you're looking investing into a, a company for the stock, you really look different as a bond because again, like I said earlier, it's about cash flow. Are they cash flowing where they can pay this bond interest and are able to pay me back at maturity? That's the that's the only two things a bondholder wants to know. You know, can they can they pay me, can they pay my coupon and pay me at maturity? That's the only two things a bondholder cares about. It, it, <laughs>
1: Right exactly and um, so I I would imagine i'm I'm not sure if this is the right answer, but the benefit of the bond over getting investors is that you. um, don't aren't beholden to their. Control or their input into your company. Do you have a lot of people to answer to when you have bonds versus like getting an, an investor in your company? Well,
0: let's be very, very clear on the word institution investing in your company. If they're investing in equity, it's one thing. If they're just investing into the debt, let's say if it was issued through a brokerage firm or if they're investing directly into the company, the bondholders are not running into the day to day and say of the company by no means. Uh, so, but all bonds would have uh, what's, you know, covenants uh matrix ratios that they may have to meet so those are some of the things that are put in place uh again so that, that that company can't just go out and keep trying to get more debt bring on more debt bring on more debt so there are again ratios that would be put in a matrix that they'd have to keep within. but the institution can invest in that bond into the open market meaning trading in the secondary market and they're investing in that for income or they may see value, or if they think the company's going to default. They may be buying their bonds because, like I just said before, the bondholders own the company, not the equity holders. If they have debt, that in a reorg or in a in, a, in a, a bankruptcy, which is not available now, but if a company you know has to liquidate, bondholders are going to be paid before the equity holders. Bottom line.
1: And I read that um, bonds are known to lose value as the interest rates go higher if we did get the SAFE Banking Act tomorrow and companies were looking to maybe do bond, uh, to issue bonds, would that be a problem right now? Would would they have to wait a little bit for the interest rates to come down or it's not really, am I?
0: The concept is correct because when a bond is issued, let's go back to that $100 million at 10% in five years. If that's the going rate now, it's 10%. But if interest rates rise, let's say now the new issues are at 11% that's coming out, why would anyone buy your 10% bond? So the price of the bond has to drop because the coupon is fixed at 10, right? So the price of the bond may drop to $950 a bond instead of $1,000 a bond to give you equivalent to 11%. But now think about this, Pam, what you just said. The rates are so high, of course, inflation, inflation's up, et cetera, et cetera, right? The point is this so if they issue a bond now, let's say that was through a brokerage firm and based off of spread again, let's say it was 18% right now, uh, but now all of a sudden, you can issue bonds at 16% or 15% or 14%, your bond just went up in value as an investor. Doesn't help the the, the issuing company, but the investor now, this bond that they paid $1,000 for may be worth $1,100 a bond, plus they earn that interest. So it works both ways. As interest rates rise or, or, or decrease, that bond value is gonna fluctuate Depending on what the market will bear currently, with the same rating, okay, same, yep. matur- uh, same rating, same maturity, etc.
1: Okay, that makes sense. But you're right uh, on how it fluctuates. So I guess, <laughs> I
0: guess, but if you hold to maturity, yeah, you get yeah, your par get money it. back. If you hold to maturity, that's the whole point. Bonds can fluctuate as long as you hold again to that five years and the company's able to pay your, your money back, you get your par, which is $1,000 in, in bond terms.
1: Okay. And um, I guess my last uh-huh. question is, um, h- yeah, have you floated this by any underwriters and how are they reacting?
0: With, with the underwriters themselves would have to be brokerage firms, basically, what I'm talking about. And currently, they're not touching it. Now, as the...
1: I mean, if the safe banking act... the safe... Chain, if, if the yes, safe but
0: again, not everyone's going to jump in. Your your Goldman Sachs, your Morgan Stanley's, these type of in, uh, investment banking firms, who knows if they'll get into the space because they may be concerned about collateral damage. They may have a lot of their big investors that are against cannabis, so they don't want that again collateral damage. So that would be each own brokerage firm. However, there will be brokerage firms out there because there's brokerage firms in the space right now that will definitely uh, jump in uh, and start underwriting bonds. I mean, there's good fees with this, so the brokerage firms make money. Uh, the, the, The the cannabis companies now have access to cheaper cost of funds, which is a big deal. I mean, you don't say we're paying 25% interest and now we're paying 15. Think about that, 10%, 10% saving on $100 million. That's a lot of money real quick. So you can see how it would be advantageous. But again, a lot of the, bro- the brokerage firms uh, may be concerned getting into the space, like I said, for collateral damage with their own you know, cannabis bonds now. <laughs> yeah, but here's something to so- think about, Pam the SAFE Act, it rescheduled. Think about municipalities. Understand that all these cities and towns are built on bonds. Most people don't know this, but your water, your sewer, your streets, these are all bonds issued from your local county, city, or whatever. So now think about, again, it's all legal that this, this city well, now, let's say have an IDR, Industrial Development Revenue Bond on this big facility, and it's tax-free money that if you're an investor, invest in this, you get tax-free money. Because, again, how tax-free municipal bonds work. But, again, it has to be rescheduled and all of this. But that's coming. That's coming down the road. Wait. Municipal bonds think- for can- that cannabis revenue pays off.
1: Municipal? really okay so but it would have to be benefit the municipality yes i
0: mean again it's got to be legal but still think about it the municipalities want to put a new uh you know water uh station in you know 200 million dollars how are they going to pay for that what has to come from taxes from the citizens and you know etc so now all of a sudden they have a bond that could be issued again that for you know that that some of the revenue from the cannabis is going to pay that 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 bond off for the municipality or the city
1: Oh, so that's how they'll use it. Right. That's, that's, right. how use the tax right. now, that's
0: totally different than the corporate bonds. Now, bond is a bond, a coupon, maturity, et cetera. But, you know, this is, I'm talking about a tax-free municipal bond. Again, it's it's a ways off, but, yeah. uh, you, you know, again, it's coming it's someday. I
1: see Yeah, you're talking about how bonds will be coming into our lives in the cannabis economy, whether it's on the government side or the... uh, Because you
0: have to understand, debt isn't just business, it's big business. I mean, that's how the world operates is bonds. Everyone thinks the stock market, the bond market, just like if you follow the bond market, you can see where the money's moving in and out of the stock market. The bond market is where, as they call your your smart money. And it may not be current today, but before I know there was more bonds value traded in one hour than all the stock markets trade in a day. Because again, you don't see this because it's all these, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars of of treasury bonds, hundreds of millions of dollars of of mortgage bonds, hundreds of millions of dollars of corporate bonds, hundreds of millions of dollars of tax-free muni bonds. You don't see all that. They don't talk about that on, on the TV.
1: So basically, uh, bonds can build our the bonds can build the cannabis economy the same way they've built our cities.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Right. And other companies and other companies, you know, General Electric, Ford, all, all these other companies.